And good afternoon. It is March 2nd, 2019. <laughs> On that note. That's right. And this is our, I think this is the first recreational poker player podcast of the new year. Oh, goodness, really? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been some time. And uh, we have a, a few interesting topics. The, the LAPC, the Los Angeles Poker Classic, has come and gone. And uh, yours truly uh, has pl- played one event this year mm-hmm. only. I'll tell you about it. And uh, more Phil Ivy drama. Remember one of the podcasts in our oh, previously yeah. we talked about this uh, edge sorting and Croxfords and Borgata in Atlantic City now going after him. So a little bit of uh, so that's still an ongoing saga. Oh yeah, this is, this is a very interesting twist and turn um, that's been happening. Uh, and I'm going to talk, and then finally, Dave, we're going to cover a little bit of the World Series of Poker for 2019. The schedule is released and some of the events they're offering this year. Uh, kind of a departure from years past, and we'll talk about that. So, okay, cool. So, LA Poker Classic okay. uh, has come and gone. Usually, that this like every year, it's held at the Commerce Casino. Okay. Uh, maybe uh, spread out over about five weeks, but dozens of events, you know, all different types. And so, two years ago, I played in a No Limit Hold'em event, and I finished seventh. Uh, it was like a really small buy-in event. It was like a hundred fifty dollar buy-in, okay. right? And so, I played the same tournament this year. Uh, I said, you know, again, it was like a Saturday night, and it's cheap enough. I don't have to miss work. I said, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll just go play, have some fun, see, you know, see how it goes. Yeah. And I started off really hot. Okay. I mean, uh, one hand in particular. It does. I mean, the blinds at this point are 400, 800. You know, and I mean, it sounds like a lot, but you start with 20,000 chips. I mean, it's, you know, everything's relative. So it's probably the fourth level. There's still another three levels that you can rebuy at this point. Okay. And so uh, I I had pocket eights and I was the big blind, right? So there's a small blind, there's a big blind, and then also the big blind has to ante for the whole table. That's a new format they're doing now. Oh, yeah, big blind ante. So I had uh, 800 in chips in front of me plus another 800 for the big blind. So I effectively. Had sixteen hundred in the pot already. Okay, and uh, one. So under the gun is the person that's very first to act right after the big blind. Yeah. So then under the gun plus one, the guy next to him immediately shoves all in three thousand five hundred dollars worth of chips. Three hundred, yeah. yeah, just all in. Now remember, you've got at this point two thousand in the flop. pot, right? But you've got two thousand already. You got four hundred from the small blind, eight hundred from the big blind, plus eight hundred antes. Okay. So there's something there. Yeah, he, he, he could have had a small pocket pair. He could have had ace king, ace queen. Maybe he's just trying to survive because 3,500 chips at that point is pretty short stacked. He's going to be big blind in a hand or two. He's going to have to put 1,600 into the middle. Yeah, so he's, he's trying to make he's trying to make a move. He's trying to survive. Okay, but but he didn't do it with absolute rags. At least I was pretty sure. It doesn't matter. It folds around to the button. Okay. Okay, and the button thinks. And he thinks, he kind of makes a face, he's not sure, and he calls. <laughs> so, okay, I look down, so the small blind folds, I look down, I got pocket eights. And so, I didn't think necessarily that my eights were a super strong hand. I mean, they're decent, right? But it's not, you know, aces, kings, queens. But I also didn't think that the button was that strong either. You know, and maybe you think he was legitimately struggling with it. I don't know, but he was hesitant. And he kind of, you know, maybe he was Hollywooding a little bit. But I decided that this was a great time to do what's called a squeeze. Okay. So I went all in, and I had at this point I had amassed a good amount of chips. Okay. I had been running pretty well. 
I had the small uh, the button. I had him covered, hundred percent covered. Yeah. And so he was like, "Okay, he calls." Well, he had pocket tens. So the flop comes Ooh. out, and the guy, by the way, the guy that started all of this, he yeah. had king queen of spades. It's not a great hand, but I understand when you're short stacked, it looks pretty. You know, yeah. you're like, okay. So the flop comes ace ten hmm. eight. Oh. So I flop a set, and the other guy flops a set. Right, the guy that has pocket tens of the but button. Higher sets, right? I said over set. It's like okay, it happens. I, you know, I wasn't completely locked down. The river, uh, the, the turn didn't matter. The river, I hit an eight, and ah. I made four of a kind. Ah. Quad eights, knocked two guys out in one hand. The whole table was like, oh my god, they can't believe it, and they looked at me like, what? It le- like a lucky idiot, and it may not have been a smart move to do that, to like just put that squeeze play on. Yeah, but and, you know, but that's what I mean. Like I was running really hot. It worked out. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. And this is all leading up to kind of the hand that busted me because I busted before even the rebuy period was over. So like, an, like within an hour of that hand, uh, and I could have rebought again, but I opted not to. But um, this time I was big blind again, and I had pocket sixes. Okay. So it folds around. The button puts in a hefty raise. Okay. Okay. Now at this time the blinds are five hundred, one thousand, and I have a thousand in the. The big blind ante, so I'm okay. two thousand in. He raises five thousand on top of my of the blind, so six thousand total. Okay, it's another five for me to call. The small blind that puts him all in, so he just calls because at that point, yeah, I mean, in fact, he even had a little bit less, so it put him all in. And I just call. I pocket sixes. I just call. The flop is two four five. Rainbow, no flush, no nothing. So. On the surface, I feel like maybe it's a good hand. I mean, maybe like that's a good flop for me. Possibly. I have an overpair. Mm-hmm. Uh, any three, and I make a straight. You know, so even if I'm facing like a bigger pair, I have outs that the other pair wouldn't have. Although it's only two outs or three outs, I just need one of the last threes or four outs or whatever. Uh, anyway, so I check. The button puts in a big bet of like twelve thousand, and I shove all in. Again, thinking I'm just going to put the squeeze in. He legitimately thought really, really hard, and then he called, and he called with ace-king, Yeah. and then he hit a king on the river. So my my read was right. Yeah. You know, like, I didn't think he hit that flop, and I think I connected with that flop much better than he did. But he just happened to get He one. just got, and, and I think what, to get a bigger pair. Yeah, and I think what happened was, now he had me covered, but only by a little bit, so we were almost even stacked. And so I think what happened was he had already put, at this point, 17000 plus his ante. Uh, or actually, I was the big line ante. But he had already put like 17000 into the pot. So I guess he just wasn't going to fold. He, at that point, he had equity to call. And, you know, he had his overcards. And maybe he didn't think I hit anything. Like, I was just putting a move. You know, it was kind of like a qu- semi-move, right? So that kind of busted me. And then I could, I could still rebuy. There was like very, very, like five minutes left until the rebuy period closed. But then I was like, no, because now I'm going to sit down with, like, I don't know, 18 big blinds. And I'm going to have to, like, make really stupid, aggressive moves just to kind of see. And there were still, like, 700 people at this point in this tournament. Uh, it was a pretty large field because of yeah. the inexpensiveness. Yeah. So I was like, nah, it's all right. You know. And that's the only tournament I played this year at the LAPC. Um, really? Yeah, just schedule-wise, oh. it was tough. I couldn't get there. And we, we had gone out of town over a weekend or two so I couldn't really play um, and I couldn't really play during the week because of you know work commitments and all that yeah so that was that but uh, I still like I feel good 
you know, to the extent that my reads were right. And I definitely got lucky when I when I had those eights. I mean, that was definitely just running hot. Um, and that happened, you know. But then this hand with the sixes that I lost, I actually had the right read. I mean, I didn't think he connected with that flop, and I was right. He just had over pairs. And there wasn't even a flush draw on the board, you know. Mm-hmm. So... And, and if a three would have come, he would have made a straight with his ace, ace, two, three, four, five, but I would have made it to the six. Mm-hmm. You know, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those. Yeah, again, it's like, you know, it, it, honestly, it, it, that's why I think that to, to, to a large extent, poker is, is a bit like life in the sense that you even making making the right move, the move that, the, you know, where logically you, sh, you know, doing the right thing does is not a guarantee of success. No, not by any stretch. And, I mean, it's interesting in that most people that are avid poker players will tell you that it's not a game of luck. That it's a game of skill. Mm-hmm. And they're right, because even in those circumstances where your better hand doesn't hold up, there is a strategy into whether to call or not. There are odds that are calculated. You say, is it worth it for me to call? I've already invested a certain amount into this pod. Am I now committed to see it to the end? You know, what will I be getting back as a return on my on this investment? Let's say if I yeah. if I put another twenty k into this pot that's already got sixty seven k into it, you know that kind of thing. So that's kind of how the mind works, or at least a poker mind, you know, as opposed to the oh by the way that small blind the guy that was next to me that just yeah. he had queen five of clubs, and so he hit the five and you know like, but there was no flush on the board and nothing would have happened and yeah. so he was drawing dead pretty much. You know, unless he hit a queen only w- would have helped because the other guy had, had you know had the ace king. So yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of so that that was my that was the entirety of my LAPC. Now, uh, the World Series of Poker circuit event. Okay. You know they kind of travel. Yeah. So they're coming to LA now now starting in March at the bike. Oh, all right. And so I haven't really looked too much on the schedule yet. But uh, I'll probably what I did last year is I played a couple satellites. And what the, what a satellite is is you don't really get a cash prize. Yeah, you get a ticket or an entry into to a bigger event. event. Yeah, and I like playing those satellites because the fields are typically smaller, and you know you just know the top three get it. Doesn't matter how many chips you have. Yeah, you don't have to worry about coming out coming ahead with certain. certain right. Like if I, as long as I, even if I scrape by, as long as I'm third. It doesn't matter. I still get in. Exactly, and so I might play a couple of those. And typically, the satellites are only like 110 bucks, or and they're fairly, you know, they're fairly uh, inexpensive. Um, and so I like them because it's also it's not a big investment, and I get to really kind of enjoy myself. And usually, you'll have them on Friday nights or Saturday nights or something or Sunday night. You know, I can go when I have time. So I, I will probably if we get a chance, we'll we'll do another podcast after the World Series circuit. Yeah, you know, and then talk about the events and hopefully I'll have some better results um, and speaking of better results okay I don't know how much worse things could get for Phil Ivey oh so um, what's the latest well, let me tell you so for the benefit of our five listeners a few episodes ago we talked about Phil Ivey's woes and that he had an uncanny skill uh, noticing slight imperfections on the backs of certain playing cards. And based on those imperfections, he knew sort of which cards would come and which wouldn't, and which would already, you know, which cards had already been, you know, yeah. dealt out and are no longer in the, in the shoe and that kind of thing. And it's called edge sorting. And so 
Phil Ivey and a lady friend went to England to the Crockford's, Crocksford, whatever, some limey casino out there. <laughs> and uh, they they played a game called Bonco, which is like Baccarat. Yeah. And by edge sorting, he you know could tell. And so what made it so scandalous was that he asked the casino if they would mind instead of dealing the cards vertically, if they would make them horizontal, right? And, of course, the casino is seeing yeah. that it's Phil Ivey and he's with this big uh, Asian female of, like, and a whale of a player with putting these big bets down. They said, sure, you know, no Why problem, not? sir. Right. And now remember, what's important to understand, because I don't personally think he was really cheating or guilty of cheating because he never touched the cards. He never manipulated any of the machines that dealt the cards. He didn't do anything. All he did was use his skill as a card player to notice these imperfections, which gave him an edge. The same edge, by the way, the casinos have been holding on against players for years. Right? The, the house always has an advantage, even if it's a, a minute amount. Um, okay. I'd like to ask you a question about that, but finish the story. Well, no. But, well, it's okay. Go well, because, I mean, so something like that. So let's just say you happen to... There's an imperfection in the cards. At, at what level is there... Do you have some sort of uh, duty... To report that, like, hey, I can, I can kind of tell where these, you know, where the, what card this is or what's in the land because of, you know, something that you guys probably haven't noticed. Um, it maybe, maybe if I wore, or even worse, if I wore special contact lenses, I could notice certain things. That, you know, like at what level, even if it's if it's not your fault or you, you're not doing anything that other people couldn't technically do as well, at what point is it cheating? I guess. Well, let me let me answer that question by asking another question. Okay. And then I'll give you a more straight answer, but uh, is it not is there not an equal duty of a casino to step in and stop the inebriated or intoxicated gambler from throwing money on the table hand after hand who doesn't know what he's doing, who's putting his money in stupidly, who's betting stupid bets in roulette or whatever else? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to argue about a duty or a legal duty, you know, at what point, I mean, bartenders have a legal duty to stop serving drinks, right, to somebody they know is, is extremely intoxicated, mm-hmm. okay? Casinos don't have that kind of duty. They don't have a requirement to stop dealing cards to somebody who's drunk. They encourage drinking. Hell, I mean, all the alcohol's free in a casino. Gotcha. So at no point does a casino have any duty to say, you know what, you've, you're, you're a little, you're a little too, too, too far in, you've done a little too much. No, let me put it like this. I've, I've been in a casino. In fact, I'll tell you which one. I was at the Red Rock in Las Vegas, and this is not long ago. And while I was waiting for the, uh, the poker table to open for me, you know, to have a seat, I was playing some, uh, like a blackjack type, not blackjack, I think it was three-card poker, four-card poker, one of table games. And the guy, there was one other person at the table. He was clearly inebriated. He had chips in front of him. He continued betting chips. They continued dealing him hands. And he literally fell off his stool and then hit his head on the wall next, you know, behind him. That's how drunk he was. And that's when they finally called security to, like, you know, pick him up and escort him out. And then they're kicking him out as if he did something blatantly wrong, which I guess being fall over drunk is not a good idea in a casino. But at the same time, you know, cocktail waitress is coming by, refilling his drinks every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, so anyway, so I don't, so in other words, so, so to answer your question more directly, I don't think a player has an obligation to tell the casino that they screwed up in the print of their card or, or that they noticed some kind of imperfection. Sorry, because I, I mean, there's a sense in which I agree with you. I, 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 
I don't have any sympathy for a casino when, when, somebody, when, when somebody just figures out a hole in their whole scheme. I'm just talking about legally. Do they have? Uh, sorry, where do the where do the laws you know sort of fall when it comes to like if if, if somebody notices something the casino didn't and they exploit it? Do can they keep? Their, are they supposed to be able to keep their winnings? Or so that's a, okay. It's a it's a better phrased question because. I don't believe there's a law on the books like in Nevada because this would be a state by state law. Yeah, right? this wouldn't be you know federal. Federal, yeah. Okay, I don't think Nevada has such a law written down that if a player notices some kind of imperfection or takes advantage of a situation that he can exploit, that he has to give the money back or he's broken the law or done something illegal. Yeah. One of the best examples is in a blackjack table, a dealer has to check his cards. To see what he has, right? To see if he has blackjack or not. Well, if the dealer's not careful or doesn't protect his cards, players can sometimes see what the dealer has. Yeah. Now, it's there is no law imposing an obligation upon a player to stop the deal and say, "Hey, I just saw you check your whole card and you've got a six under there." You know, so even though I've got, you know, eight, I'm going to double down. Yeah. You know, like no, you can do that all day long. Just like it's not technically illegal to count cards. Yeah. At blackjack. No. Yeah, casinos have the right to kick you out for exactly. any reason that they want, but they can't bust you for it. Right. If their their policy is we're not tolerating players that do that, okay, that's their policy. But you don't go to jail. You could be barred. And you can you still keep your winnings? Yes. Okay. Yes. But then they can, but again the casino can make it so that you never come back. No. So remember, anyway, so Phil Ivey, he eventually sued for his money. It went all the way to the British Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court in England basically said, look, edge sorting is just like cheating because you went in with the intent to essentially put one over on the casino. And many people criticized that decision as being either in favor of the homegrown casino, you know, their home turf. If Phil Ivey had been a native of the UK, people argue maybe the decision would have gone differently. And we'll never know. But now, what happened was the Borgata in Atlantic City, okay, Ivy got them too for about $10 million. The only difference is Ivy actually cashed out of the Borgata. Yeah. Right? Remember, Croxford's just said, look, we're not sending you your money. Yeah. I don't care. Sue me for it. And then he didn't lost. Borgata actually paid him. So now, now they sued him. Yeah. Right. So they sued him, and the Borgata got a judgment and won. Now, Ivy's got to pay the Borgata back $10 million plus interest. Oh. Uh, by the way, interest runs, the legal rate of interest is 10% per annum. So a million dollars a year is adding to this judgment. How many years has it been? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's been a year or two. But that, that's not no, the it's issue still, yet. It's still a lot of money. Yeah, you're just, you know. I don't think Phil Ivey, as successful as he is, has an extra 10 mil sitting around. Anyway, so the, the reason this is back in the news is... About a month ago, the Borgata filed a motion in New Jersey, where, you know, because it's an Atlantic City casino, filed a motion in federal court in New Jersey asking that the judgment be transferred to Nevada and that it be given the same force and effect in the Nevada court as it would in the New Jersey court. Why? Well, one, they believe he has assets in Nevada, mm. bought and sold property, maybe he has, you know, money interests in various companies. Guys like that that have been playing for that long, that made so much money, usually have invested in some things. Of course. Like anybody who's made a lot of money doing something. Yeah. And so, but the interesting thing is that it created like a constitutional issue because under the Constitution of the United States, uh, there's something called the full faith and credit clause, mm-hmm. which means that if I, have a, if I have a federal court judgment against you in California, I can technically enforce that judgment in any federal court anywhere in the country. Okay. 
right? They have to give it credit, full faith and credit. Mm-hmm. If it's good here, it's good there. Yeah. Now, the local state law will determine what I can do, right? So in Nevada, maybe I can garnish wages where in New Jersey I can't. Yeah. Right. Like, so, but I can still bring that judgment. I can. I can. You know. To whatever, to whatever extent the state lets me, I still can. Right. Yeah. So and, and so that's so the that's the first thing. But perhaps what's now most people think Phil Ivey is just in Macau, you know, like in China, just playing these big games with these whales, and he may never come back to Las Vegas. Probably he'll. I, I think that he will probably not play in the World Series of Poker ever again. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. and it's because the minute he's in Nevada, they'll just serve him with a levy or a writ or a deposition notice or you know. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. They'll do something. They can't really touch him when he's in Macau. Um, so I think he's out of the World Series. But the Borgata is also uh, an MGM property. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know that. And the poker room, I think it's at the Bellagio, uh, Ivy's room, is also an MGM. So now they renamed it. And now uh, it's called Table One. Uh, so they took his name off of the the moniker. Wild. I know. I mean, it's just kind of... Wow. I mean, that w- this is probably the biggest fall of a poker icon. Yeah. I mean, there was recently, there was a bunch of drama with uh, Elie Lezra. Yeah. He's another, like, one of these, he was a TV player on, like, high-stakes poker and all that. And it came out, like, a bunch of stuff. He, he had put out a book. Yeah. And the book was translated in Hebrew. And, and then it was translated into English and published by 2 Plus 2. And 2 Plus 2 has all these forums. And he decided to do something called an AMA, which is like, ask me anything. Yeah. Right? And so somebody's asking about, like, debts he didn't pay. And he got all, like, he, like stumbled. Like, he didn't know what to do or say, except to say, I pay all my debts. Family. So finally, somebody's like, no, you don't, fucker. You still owe me, you know, 80K from, you know, eight years ago. Then some other guy came out and was like, no, he owes me, like, almost a million. And this is, like, this whole big drama, you know, dramatic explosion over Elie Lezer and his reputation and so Are these legitimate claims and why did the Elie well, money? Well, yeah, I think so so the way Elie Lezer explains it and this has been sort of verified by other big players and like in their own sort of, you know, uh, forums uh, that apparently these guys that play these big stakes, they borrow money from each other all the time. You know, they're always lending each other money and the trick is they need to pay it back. Now, when Black Friday hit, yeah, or Black Monday or whatever, the, I can't remember. I think it was Black Friday. Yeah, and all the poker player accounts froze up. That didn't just hit the immediate account holders. Yeah, you know that also stopped what apparently was a large flow of, of money online, player to player. So, for example, the first guy that called him out loaned him, you know, hundred k some time ago, and Ellie would send him five thousand a time through. Full this, tilt or whatever. Yeah, yeah, this website, yeah. Right, a site that's now gone. Right, seized and ultimately, you know, shut down. So uh, apparently, so the, the the takeaway from all that, you know, the upshot here is that apparently there was a whole other, you know, community of commerce that went on in this online sites. People, you know, borrowing, borrowing and repaying and transferring money to each other back and forth, and that also opened up a whole new world of scam artists like hey I can't get to my account float me 5k I'll, I'll, I'll transfer it up to you online when I get home yeah you know that kind of stuff and I'd heard these little stories here and there like um, that other podcast I was new Poker Fraud Alert yeah you know they kind of call out guys like that but I didn't think Elliot Lezer was you know and I played with him remember two years ago I played seven card stud at the World Series with him at the, in the tournament he was at my table that's right so he was the defending champ that year so basically, he, well, I guess what's, what's being alleged is he was asking people, hey, man, I can't get to my stuff. He 
you float me here, you float me there, you float me here. And people were doing it because of his name, and he used to never paying them back. Or so slowly to the point where it became frustrating. Yeah. This one guy that he owed 100000 to, he had paid him, I think, forty or sixty, and then just stopped. Hmm. You know, I don't know. So... So anyway, so back to Phil Ivey. So this is clearly, you know, the, the casino's really taking the aggressive approach here. And $10 million is a lot of money, I think, even to a big casino. It's, it's not a drop in the bucket. Yeah. I don't believe $10 million would bankrupt the MGM organization, you know, or Borgata. So I think in part they're sort of making an example out of Ivey. Absolutely. You know, by taking this, like, very aggressive approach. But, I mean, imagine... I don't know. What if what if Phil Ivey owed Christopher Walken ten million dollars? I mean, how would Chris handle that? <laughs> Phil, I understand. You don't have my money. Well, I'll tell you what. I got a pair. I got a bigger pair than yours. <laughs> so unless you want to see that bigger pair, I better see those Benjamins. <laughs> <laughs> That's just perfect. <laughs> So, all right. Well, let's let's just skip to our last topic. We'll, we'll, we'll have a short day. We, by the way, for our five listeners, Dave and I have both been working in our office this morning since at least me since eight thirty or nine. Dave since ten. Um, I have some additional staff coming in, and we're setting up desks and computers all day and moving some old stuff out. And so, right, moving on up. So it's been kind of a hectic day. So uh, the last. Last topic. So the World Series of Poker, the WSOP, released yeah. its full 2019 schedule. Okay. And, of course, it has the main event and all the amount. But it has now, I think, five or six under $1,000 tournaments. All right. Right, which is more than it's ever had in years past. Hmm. In the last four or five years, it had one called the 888 tournament, so $888 buy-in, $888,000 guarantee prize pool. Okay. okay, that was sort of the gimmick. And that was in partners with 888 Poker, which was like a site that still runs. And all right. Yeah. They also had something called the Colossus, okay. which is like a $750 buy-in. And that I think that that drew like 20,000 players. Wow. That's huge. Sure, because it's cheap. It's fun to get into. Yeah. And this year, they also have, and I guess, celebrating the 50th year of the World Series of Poker. 50? Yeah, 50 years they've been having. I remember, I think the first World Series of Poker main event had 34 players in it. Gosh. So, um, something like that. It was something very small. Yeah. Um, so, this year, they're doing a $500 buy-in tournament. Yeah. And they're going to have a bunch of these opening day ones, you know, and then finally, if you make it past... You can get to the, when they have the full-on day two. And I think you can play multiple day ones. All right. Right? So they're going to have a huge prize pool. This will get 30,000, 35,000 players registered at one point or another. So they have to stagger it. You know, because for 500 bucks, people will just play, you know. Yeah. Why not? Right. Um, and then they've got a couple that are just at, at 1,000 even. Yeah. Which is also, that, and previously that had been the lowest buy-in that they had. Okay. Right. So, all of these are no limit hold'em events. Yeah. Right. So there's no mixed game, no studs, no limit game. This is all just no limit hold'em. And uh, I'm I'm thinking about maybe playing like in the eight eight eight. Oh. This year, you know, I picked one event, and to be honest, with the exception of a really deep run in 2014, I haven't had the 
the success I had wanted or thought I could have playing in these other limit hold'em, yeah, you know, variation tournaments. And it seems like I at this point maybe I'm even more comfortable playing no limit just because it's so popular and it's still so many tournaments out there that, that are just no limit hold'em. Yeah. So I think this year that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play in a no limit tournament. Uh, well, all right. I might, so I might play in the eight eight eight. I might play in. Uh, I'm not going to play in this five hundred dollar one. I just think that the field is too far many. too big. Yeah, too big. And it's just to, to, to try to overcome a field, even a day one field. And then I'd have to come back for multiple, like a second day two. And I don't know if schedule permits. So I might pick a, either the 888 or I might just pick a 1500 buy in, but just do a no limit hold in this time instead. All right. And then we'll kind of see how it goes. And uh, I mean, can I tell you? It's what I'm looking for. So it's, you know, June is around the corner, a couple months away. We start. Jeez, you know? already, man. Yeah. So. We got the month of March. I have the World Series of Poker circuit event here at the bike. Yeah. Which, remember, if you win one of those, you, you get a ring. Not, oh. not a bracelet, but you get a ring. You get a ring. Yeah. And decent cash prize. And then in June, the World Series of Poker. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on. And I think, again, I'm going to focus on practicing my no limit game. Yeah. You know, and playing. Even at the circuit events, I'm going to play, even the satellites, everything I'm going to play no limit. Yeah. And just see kind of how I do. I was really close to. Finishing third in a satellite top three got entries okay. uh, about th- two months ago. Um, also at the bike, it was for a different circuit tour. It wasn't WSOP. I finished fourth. I got knocked out like at the last minute. Yeah, you know, like stone cold bubble. Yeah, you know, it was really close. So I don't know. I feel like the uh, you know the no limit game is 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 gotten better. I guess. Okay. You no, know? maybe. Well, I'll find out. I'm going to give it a try. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. We were trying something different this year, so, you know, we'll see how, how successful that is. Otherwise, Dave, I think that's it. It's, it's a short day. We're, we're at about the 30-minute mark. Cool. I, th- I think we're going to have to Wrap end it this up, one. Dave. Well, yeah, look, we, we've been here all day, and we're tired. And You could tell uh, if I'm not on my podcast A game if I've only called out Christopher Walken once. <laughs> if, if Walken wasn't allowed out of the basement only once. Yeah. So, uh, but in in traditional format, if you wouldn't mind, please give our listeners um, give our listeners some information if they have some IT needs or consulting needs. How they can get a hold of you? Yeah. So, uh, the best way is just to call our offices at uh, area code nine zero nine 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 two zero three three zero. Again, that's nine zero nine 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 two zero three three zero. You can also reach us at uh, our. Um, you can also reach me at my uh, email address, uh, D Martinez. That's D M A R T I N E Z at C S C like Charlie S like Sierra dash Inc dot U S Uncle Sam. Okay, those those are the details, I guess. No, I mean I just it, it just every it's just astonishing to me how long that is. Um, C S dash Inc. It just uh, maybe it's just the 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 manner in which however long it takes you to explain it. Well, know. you know what it was. I, I I got it thinking it would be shorter than just saying contouredsolutions.com because people kept thinking it was contoured with the ed or contour, and so they would mess that up. And sometimes people just didn't know how to spell contour in general, so they wouldn't do it. So well, if I just abbreviate, it's shorter, it's faster. But then people don't, is it c wait cf no cs oh okay ink like ink like ink no no like incorporate oh okay yeah so. It, I, I can't seem to win with this name. I, so I, this, I understand. So clearly this is a problem. Why don't you just change the name of the fucking company? So, I'm this far in, Eric. You I'm know? just saying, you know, like Dave's Computer Guy, Depot or whatever. I don't know. Something catchy. Something, something snappy. Walking on your computer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then this is Dave and Eric. Uh, we're going to sign off. Have a great uh, next two months <laughs> until, until we're able to record one again. <laughs>